Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia Apostol, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears. We will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast, please check us out at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Oh, and I'm so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Sophia here. I am joined by Lindsay Johnson today. I've known Lindsay actually for a number of years and so, so excited to talk to you, Lindsay. Hi. Hi. I'm so, so excited to be here. Sophia, when we first met to where we both are now is so radically evolved. I cannot wait to like talk about all these juicy things. I know. I knew nothing when I met you. (laughs) I didn't know anything about all the things we're going to talk about today. Um, And I just have to reveal, we got on 40 minutes ago. We've been chatting, chatting, chatting. And then we were like, oh, we should probably hit record. So now we're recording and I'm just so thrilled that everyone else is going to get to hear your brilliance and your passion. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself, Lindsay. Who are you? Introduce yourself to the people. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this. Hello, everybody. Uh, Okay. So my name is Lindsay Johnson. My pronouns are they, them, and I am a fat queer, I don't know, entrepreneur turned fat joy activist. (laughs) And I'm really here to dismantle this this inter specifically our as fat people's internalized fat phobia like fat phobia as a whole needs dismantling but i really want to talk about the way we've internalized that and start to get freedom from that and freaking find joy in being who we are and letting the cellulite and body hair fly friends <laughs> i love it Letting it fly. So good. Yes. Oh my God. Everything you say, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Um, all right. So my first question that I love to ask all my guests is what is your relationship to the word fat? Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Have no, you always no, loved it though? No. Yeah. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it now. Um, I I did it. And you know, for most of my life, and I know that so many people can relate to this, mm. like everyone else, that was the worst thing you could be. And if I wasn't on a diet, I was thinking about what the next diet was and doing everything I could to lose weight and then gain weight and then lose weight and then gain weight. And I just had this thing in me that was like, I don't want to identify as a fat person. I'm a skinny person trapped in a fat person's body and I got to whip this fat off me. And it was just this like embarrassing, shameful, you know, thing. And as I have joined in the body liberation, the fat liberation movement, as I have unlearned 
and and learned new new I let's just say learned the science, mm-hmm. learned the reality, learned the experience and started to find a peace within myself and an acceptance with myself and actually identify as <gasps> a fat person. <laughs> like I can't even tell you the metaphorical weight <laughs> yeah. that has come off my shoulders and and I I feel such a, such a kindred spirit with my fellow fatties who are like, yes, like, you know, I'm here. I'm fat yet used to it. And there's not this shame around it. It's incredible. Most days. Yeah. I love the most days. It's true. Cause there are times where I still find myself cause I'm with you. I've Uh gone through that journey. I feel like most days I've deprogrammed decades of trauma Mm -hmm. and harm and marginalization and oppression. And then I have to go and get a pelvic ultrasound and I'm like, oh my yeah. God, you know, or I have to, I don't know, go swimming at my brother's house with his family yeah. or, you know, there's these little things, but all of a sudden it's like 9% of the time I'm really great. And then there are these moments where it comes back. This again. Yep. Yeah. I, the other day I was supposed to go to this like event and it was like a hiking event. Um, and I knew that I was going to be the only fat person there was pretty mm-hmm. sure I was going to be the only queer person there, which meant I would be the only person that would be sweating and huffing and puffing. And everybody <sighs> would look so glamorous for the pictures. They were going to be recording reels and had a professional photographer there. And I'd be the one with the hair matted on my face and sweating. And what am I going to wear and what's cute, but still functional. And I was like, you know what? I don't need this in my life. <laughs> Just cancel. <laughs> Good. Because right? it did. That is Insecurities won. Yeah. It is. Do you know what? And there are other days where I would have been totally yeah. fine with it. Like yeah. totally fine and embracing my body and being like, hey, friends, I'm going a little slow. Go ahead. I'll catch mm-hmm. up with you. But in that moment, I wasn't in that space. Yeah. And exactly. It's self-care. You don't have to be, nobody is fully confident and loving themselves all mm-hmm. the time. It's just not the reality. Yeah. It's just not science. And I think having that grace for myself, having grace for ourselves when we're in those moments, doesn't mean we're a failure or a bad fatty. It just means we're having a day. And self-care like, needed. We're human, you know, mm-hmm. and, and here's the thing too. I always think about like, we are literally living in systems designed to make us feel like shit about ourselves. So having a bad day gets to be okay because yeah. it's the world that we're living in and rebelling against. So yes. there's going to be some bad times. Yeah. And I guess to be part of it. It is. Yeah. Well, and and you and I have talked about this a little bit as well. The historically, fat people are really excluded yeah. from outdoor adventures, from sports, from different activities, whether it's through equipment or or sizes not available, literally inaccessible mm-hmm. fitness activities, like you know socially the looks you get or the whatever's and so again when i'm when i'm had it hiking or swimming or whatever with my fat friends we all know what's up we're good but when you're in a situation where you're the only fat person that trauma comes yeah. back fast it's and true. it's not always easy to get through Mm-mm. no it's so true and especially when there are other eyes i find for me that's a bit of my trigger mm-hmm. like so we were at a cottage um last week actually for a couple days and there were two kayaks and i love kayaking but yeah. i also was worried when i looked at the kayaks i thought i don't think i'm gonna fit and the thought of having to kind of 
almost like try it out, <laughs> like practice yes. yep. getting in it, in the water, all awkward. Cause you know, kayaks are awkward anyway. Yeah. Just, I was like, no, I'm just going to swim because I know how to move my body in water freely. And yes. I'm feeling uncertain about my hips in this moment. And yes. And it, yeah, it was one of those moments where I was like, am I, yeah. Am I like shortchanging myself here? And then I thought, no, I'm mm. still in my two piece. I am still swimming. I feel fine with my decision, yeah. but it, I hated that it still had to be a whole thought process for myself. Yeah. But I, I think that that, if you're anybody, anybody who is marginalized, mm-hmm. anybody who doesn't fit that very narrow definition of beauty or success or or whatever, you're going to have those days. You're going to have them. And I don't think, I I think it's important that we reframe the way we look at that, not as a failure, not as letting down your marginalized cohort, Mm -hmm. you know, not as letting us, but really just being like, I'm at capacity and I know this is going to take some emotional and mental labor and I don't got it right now. So I'm just going to swim because I want to, I'm, I'm not here to undo all the world's marginalization in this kayak or swim. I'm here to enjoy myself. So what's going to feel good for me right now? I love that. Yeah. There's a question that I love asking, which is like, am I resourced enough for this in this moment? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And if the answer is no, it's like, all right, well, my self resource comes first and that gets to be true. And it has led to, I'm actually super curious too, for you, Lindsay, like it has led to me saying no to people, to situations kind of like you decide not to go hiking. How has that shown up for you? And I'm so curious how maybe even a couple of years ago versus today, what that looks like for you. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that like, let's say the same situation happened five years ago, three years ago, even I would have probably still canceled, but it would have sent me on quite honestly, probably an eating binge. Yeah. Yeah. Like a self-loathing eating Mm -hmm. binge. It would have kicked me into a space of, um, a whole bunch of unworthiness. Yeah. Unlovability, right. Mm -hmm. Not fitting in getting angry at myself. And that's one of the things, but I'm angry at myself. I will self-harm by eating mm. junk food. Like, like I don't want to, I don't want to, again, I, I'm going to take back the junk foods. Again, it's not about mm-hmm. stigmatizing food. I will eat things that I know will hurt my joints or make my stomach mm. swell. Like it will hurt my body Yeah, as a form of self-harm because I'm so mad at myself in that moment. Yeah. Whereas this time, I was like, this is how I'm feeling. I know what the situation is going to be. I don't have, some people say the spoons, the mental capacity, (laughs) the resources. I don't have that right now. It's been, I had just moved. It had been intense. It it was wonderful, but I was just, I was depleted. I'm like, no, I don't have the inner resources to, to face the social stigma to face the being different, to face the sweating my face off in front of these people. I don't have that. And I, I think, I think to deny that the social stigma is there to just say, Oh, if you were confident, you would do it. Oh, it's such bullshit. Right. Cause you're denying that there are people in this hike who will have a buttload of internalized fat phobia who will look at me and think, thank God I'm not that person who will, you know what I mean? It's like, I just didn't have that in me to just be that, that token fat person. No. And you can feel it. Like when you're in those settings, you can feel the energy. So yeah, I love that you set a beautiful boundary for yourself. And we're like, no, yeah, I choose, I choose me. 
Yeah. It yeah, was so different. So stuff. I was like, no, not, I don't got in me. And I think yeah. I just like, I don't know. I think I talked with friends. I just like chilled. Yeah. <laughs> it was lovely. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I'm so curious about this thing you're doing called fantastical fatty. It's such a great yeah. word phrase, fantastical fatty. It almost feels Harry Potter-esque. So tell me, right? <laughs> tell us about fantastical fatty. Well, it's funny because I originally started off with wanting to create a community for fat adventuring, right? Outdoor adventuring, indoor adventuring for fat people so based good. on my own exclusion and discrimination and, and terribleness. Um, and I started to, to put some things together and do some events of things, but like nobody, everyone was excited, but nobody was really like showing up mm. and things. And I was like, you know, I don't have the capacity to build community right now. So we're going to put this, this adventuring community on hold for a couple of years, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's instead, I, I, I was just thinking like, and, and the reason I'm going through this long journey is because it's still new for me. And, and I just was like, what? Like, what do I want to do? And I really just want to talk about anti-fatness, fat joy, fat and fitness, fat and fashion, but also the intersectionalities, right? Where we bring in racism or homophobia or misogyny or classism or healthism or ableism, any of those things, and really just have these bigger conversations. And so I have another business that I am not, I don't, I don't, I share some of the same with anti-capitalism. I share these concepts with, but it doesn't quite fit on brand. And I was like, I just wanted to count where I can just be radical and bold and flip my middle finger up at all these systems. <laughs> yes. You know, and, mm-hmm. and not have it have to like be for business. And so I was like, how can I embrace being fat? And I was like, but I also am a sucker for alliteration, like fantastical fatty. Like this is, and I, and I realized after it's very close to Vinnie Spears fatty. And I was like, oh, I hope they don't mind. I, maybe I, I need to reach out to them and just double check. But I just love this, like, yeah. you know, it's fantastical <laughs> and you're fat. Yes. Which is glorifying. <laughs> glorifying obesity. First of all, let's never use that word again. Right. Please. please. Yep. Please. Yep. Done with that but word. Glorifying, glorifying glorifying being in your body and finding joy no matter what your body can or cannot do exactly. or what it looks like or doesn't look like. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's a is it's a community? Like how no, are you- it's just me. Oh, okay. <laughs> no community. It's just me. It's just me creating content right now. I'm going to, oh, I do want to start a podcast. Yeah. I want to bring people like you on, people like Benny on, people like I've got a laundry list of people I want to bring on Amazing. and get a podcast going and have these, F, you know, FU conversations. Yeah. Um. But no, really, truly, it's just come and follow me if you want to hear what I have to yeah. say about these things and you want to get in on the conversation. That's, that's really all it is right now. It's just in its yeah. infancy. Oh, I love it. So good. Um, I realized when <laughs> this might be a part we have to cut you, let me know. But I realized I always ask and I forgot to ask because I think we were like so talking for like 40 minutes. Um, that's great. um, is there anything that you don't want to talk about? And the reason that's coming in my mind is that oh, I really, yeah. I'm so curious to talk to you and you can please say no, um, about the intersection of being queer and fat. I'm super curious. Absolutely. About, yeah. We can yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So What's the question? I don't know. I'm like, what is the question? I was like, oh, can I ask? Yes, I can. Um, yes. I'm so curious about how, like, 
how this shows up for you perhaps differently than someone like me who is straight and fat. So yes. what do you like, what do you notice? Cause I think, I think one of the areas that I, I, mm, that maybe I struggle with when it comes to fat mm-hmm. liberation, by liberation, all these pieces is that gosh, the, ex- the lived experience of individuals is so different depending on if let's say they're a size 20 versus a size 30, if they are black and fat, if they are black and fat and yeah. queer, like there's all of these, all this uniqueness that further yeah. complicates lived experience. So yeah, I'm always just so interested in that with people like what is your unique experience. And so for you, you might, you say like you're queer, you're fat, curious Mm -hmm. about what that's like to live in your body in this oppressive world. In this oppressive world. In this oppressive world. Shakespeare's Shakespeare's. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think, I think that when, so when I hear this question, I'm hearing it through the like, what's dating like, or what are relationships like? Because that's often Mm. what separates, you know what I mean? Mm. Like hetero from queer is like who you're in a relationship with. And the thing is, I don't date, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm single and ready to mingle, everybody. Uh, But... uh, I, I don't it. really date. I haven't really been dating, especially during the pandemic, but, yeah. but just in terms of being fat and queer. So when I, um, realized that I was queer, when I finally freaking realized that I was queer, yeah. there was this immediate pressure valve that just, just mm-hmm. released. And that was that I had to look pretty for men. Oh. I had to dress for men. I had to perform for men. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Was gone and it was like yes oh. it was like yes and then as i am immersed myself in in sort of different lesbian communities or queer communities or trans communities or or whatever yeah. you know there was also this like I just, this is a, a generalization from my experience of the people that I was meeting at that time, but there was just so much more room for size diversity, style diversity, body hair diversity, piercing diversity, yeah. color hair diversity. Like there was just so much more room, mental health diversity, right? Neurodivergent diversity. There was so much room for that and 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 space for that. And so I really started to unpack sort of my self objectification. Mm, yeah. And my, cause before I was performing heterosexuality for men and then I found myself, well, not then I've always see my queerness. I just was clueless to once I figured it out, it was a done deal. My non-binariness is what I struggled with. Oh. I knew since I was from maybe three years old when my brother was born and my mom explained that he has a penis, he's a boy and I've got a vagina and I'm a girl. And I, even at three years old, I was like, no, nah, that's not going to work for me. I just knew when I heard it, that wasn't enough. Right. Yeah. And so I was constantly performing woman, constantly performing femininity. Mm-hmm. Right. And so getting into this space, it just allowed me to really unpack that and unpack my own gender gender expression, gender experience. So you take like queerness and hetero performative heterosexuality, and then you take gender and performative femininity, and then you add in removing yourself as an object for other people and just being who you are. It's like all of a sudden fatness is just like, who gives a shit? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like it's not my job to be pretty. No, <laughs> it's not. I don't owe anybody thinness. I don't owe anybody health. I don't owe anybody pretty eyelashes or a Brazilian butt or what's that thing? The B, B, I don't, oh, I don't know. Brazilian butt lift. I think it's Brazilian. I think it's like Kardashian. Oh my gosh. I'm so clueless. I, I love it. <laughs> A butt lift? Like, I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's like to make your bum bigger. Like, listen, oh, I got enough like junk in yeah. the truck. I don't need any help on this, you know? But, but it just, yeah, like it, it just really un- unpacked. I got to unpack the way I was objectifying myself to mm-hmm. fit everybody else's perceptions of what I thought I was supposed to be and yeah. what woman is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you start to unpack that, there's this yeah. great book, um, is it more than a body? I think it's called a, it's oh, a great book. It might be called yeah. this. I think it's more <laughs> than a body. And it, and it does get into, um, objectification, objectification, objectification from the outside world, but our own self-objectification. Yeah. And it talks about when using this term, generally women, um, kind of get a, they start to split when they're young and they start to start to be who they are. And then they also start to observe who they are perceived to be oh. and how they shift into, I want to, I want to be perceived a certain way. And Yeah. Great book on objectification and self-objectification. Yeah. So interesting. And then, so, yeah. So letting go of that. Oh, I just, I feel the freedom when you're saying it. It's just, yeah, it's just like gone. And like, I started growing out my underarm hair last year. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And I love it. I'm like, look at you. I I still look so cute. (laughs) And I totally groom it. I do. I like trim it. You groom it. I'm like trying to see how long it can get. My, my hair grows so fast. It gets so oh, long. I love it. I love it. Well, it's funny. Cause like I spent thousands, I don't know, 10 yeah. years ago, lasering all parts of my body. And yes. so yep. now I'm, I'm like, fuck it. I don't shave whatever. And, but it's funny. It. So now yeah. I've got like these weird lines on like, like of leg hair that was like kind of between the laser and my armpits. Like, it's not like, you've got a beautiful, nice patch of hair. Mine's well, kind so, of spratty. They don't grow evenly spatchy. though. One is like thicker than the other. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Like it just, it feels so good to just let that yes. shit go. I can't believe how be. much mental labor, like labor preoccupation that I spent for so much of my life worrying about stupid shit. Like I, I mean, I'm Greek and hairy and I have done every Mm, hair removal thing. I've spent honestly, probably hundreds of hours bleaching and, and what's the needle thing? Waxing, electrolysing, all of it, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, I'm sure. And it just, God, why, why, why? Do you know what is so wild to me too? Whether it's shaving, plucking, waxing, lasering, high heels, push-up bras, corsets, like hair mm-hmm. dye, all these things that we do to maintain the beauty status quo mm-hmm. are actually harmful. They physically harm this us. This is the thing, right? They disfigure us. Have you seen my grandma's bunions? She wore heels until she was it's when, when the big like, toe, uh, yes, the big toe like crosses over. Yes. Oh my God. And I that bones. Yeah. And then the back, like your calves, when I, when I was training for mm. a triathlon ages ago, um, and I, and I, again, was still straight and a woman. And so I was performing and I would wear <laughs> heels because that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. And oh my God, torture. But I would go, I was training for triathlon. So I had like a team of people supporting me and helping me and whatever. Mm. And my chiropractor right away would be like, 
did you wear heels? Like he right away, he could oh, see it in my calves. He could see I was tight because my hips and my calves would be so, my calves would be shortened. My hips would be tight. Yeah. Be, no. Yeah. And same with like, she, can I just think like this whole, like waxing the nether regions, like mm-hmm. that hair is there to prevent bacteria, mm-hmm. to keep your lady bit safe. Mm-hmm. I was, I was watching a, a YouTube on why you shouldn't wax your butthole, like how it can cause uh, little tears and they can get infected. Ah! And then like, it is a bad, bad situation. Like people, these things that we do now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If this brings you joy, genuinely (laughs) brings you joy, not performative, objectified joy, but genuinely brings you joy, go nuts. But if you're doing it to perform something and deep down, Mm -hmm. you are miserable. Mm -hmm. You need to unpack that. Right. I, you know, and I love that you said that. And can we even fully know again, it's another thing I think about, can we even fully ever distance ourselves enough from oppression and oppressive yep. systems? And I, this idealized version of bodies, the body hierarchy as Sonia Renee Haler yeah. calls it to truly know what it I is. Know. I, I want, like, I don't even know. Do I even know? Do I even know? what I would choose or what I want. I know overt things like I'm not dying my hair. I've got a, some beautiful gray growing in. I'm hoping to have a Let very, yeah, yeah. I want like a nice streak going everywhere. Get like the rogue from like the X-Men. Yes. Like the, like, that is gray. what I want. I hope I, I always think of Stacey London. Do you remember her from like what not yes. to wear? Sorry. That's the less <laughs> nerdy version. Stacey yeah. London from what not to wear. <laughs> But I like the rogue version too. I can go with that too. Um, Yeah. So I can make some decisions, but then there are times. Okay. So here's an example of me who does this work. Who's thought a lot about it. Um, I think I may have mentioned this on another podcast, another episode, but I was so shocked to go shopping in Torrid, which I love, love Torrid. I wasn't shocked by Torrid. So I was in the change room and I really wanted, and you actually did something on Instagram recently where you talked about this. I wanted to get something that showed my belly, that I was not buying something flowy to show my belly. Yeah. Can I just say, I tried on, I think it was a pair of jeans and like a t-shirt. And I was like, I'm going to tuck it. I'm even going to tuck it in. I do like the little French tuck. And I looked French tuck. In, yep. I felt great. And then I looked in the mirror and I was like, I can't do this. I had this whole moment where I looked at myself yeah. and was like, Oh no, (laughs) there is still some shit in there. And I felt so shocked. I wasn't, I didn't beat myself like three years ago. I would have like beat myself up. I did not beat myself. I really recognized that moment for what it was, which was so much programming deep in there, swimming in the soup. But I was still shocked that I had that reaction. Um, And Yeah. So that's this, which makes me think about like, yeah, can we ever do, is this the work of our lives to just keep distancing, to keep unpacking, to keep reparenting, unlearning? Like I I think so. so, (laughs) Right. Did you say crying? Crying. Well, crying, crying, crying can be a part of it. It's very therapeutic to cry. (laughs) (laughs) This is, but this brings us back to what we said originally, right? I was out of spoons to go be the only fat person on this hike. So you were out of spoons because, and, and, and here's sort of the double edged sword of of really diving into the fat phobia and the way our society is structured around anti-fatness is that we free ourselves while becoming acutely aware of how much we are, not we are hated, but our fatness is hated and people's fear of being fat 
right? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's so you, you get free, but then you also yeah. are hyper aware. Yeah. And it's a what hard tension oh. to hold. Mm-hmm. Like holding both of those is really weird and complicated. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I was just like, no, no, so that, right. that was a, that yeah. was a perfect add on. It is a yeah. weird tension to hold. And I just want to say for folks listening, understand that you are holding that tension yes. when you take up space as a fat person and live in yeah. fat joy, just understand that. And so, yes, I, I posted that little, little thing. And it was actually great. Somebody used it as a sound for their own video. It was oh. the moment of the year. I was like, oh. and of course her video is always there. Her videos are so good. I'm like, your video is so good. Like you got to <laughs> take my audio and then come make me look as good as you. It was so <laughs> like the coloring. It was so well done. Mm. Anyways, I'm like messy, unpacked living room in the background. No good life. Like what up baby. But <laughs> living in Vancouver, Ask any fat person, they will agree. Mm-hmm. Vancouver is a very fat phobic city. Mm-hmm. So when I walk around with, sh- I can't go too short shorts because that chub rub is no joke, yeah. but mm-hmm. my moderately short shorts and a, sh- a shirt that's higher than my waist. So then my, 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 I've got a big belly. I've got like the apron belly, they call it. Mm-hmm. So my belly hangs out and the cellulite hangs out. And I, my big old, I got, I've always, even when I was a little girl, I big arms, big arms, and they're all flying out there. And Honestly, it's my way of saying, you got a problem with this? Go <laughs> F yourself. Yeah. I don't care. Unpack your own fat phobia. So there is yeah. this like this element for me of giving a middle finger, not to an individual person, but to socialize fat phobia and reclaiming how much of my life I didn't live because I was hiding my body. Yes. So that's where I go to. I go I to a middle it. finger, middle finger, yeah. middle finger. Someone took a picture of me the other day. I was walking and they took a picture of me in the street. I was like, well, that's awesome. Oh. I hope it's for your spank bank and you're not just going to be like <laughs> and, going your friends with this uh, fat person walking with a oh belly shirt. Oh my gosh. And I, I mean, yeah, I, I admire that so much. And I think that's so true mm-hmm. that this, like, what I hear so much in there is also some, yeah, and all these things I think about is like tapping into anger as a powerful yeah. force yes. to fight oppression, to rebel against it. And you're right. Yeah. I love how you said it. It's not against a specific person. It's about socialized fat phobia, socialized fat, yeah. anti-fatness. And like, yeah. I, I've gone out with people like to like restaurants or a whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, does the booth move? Can we fit? Does my butt yeah. fit in the chair? Yeah. Oh my God. I went to see um, at Massey hall in Toronto, I saw, um, what's his face? Oh my God. I'm totally blanking my brain. I still have, I've got an aging brain, Lindsay. I Um, saw Yo-Yo Ma at Massey hall. Oh, amazing. And those seats are tiny. (laughs) I went to Alanis on Sunday. I went to Alanis. Alanis Morissette is still my God. Holy smokes. I did not realize how much I needed to scream, cry, sing along with her. Yay. But I was on the very edge of my seat the whole time because I literally didn't yep. fit. Yeah. Normally I can kind of like shimmy in. in. I couldn't go back. Yeah. Oh, I was seeing Patton Oswald, um, who I was worried would be, he does cool. some fat phobia stuff sometimes. He's but comedy, he isn't he? Yeah. Comedy. Yeah. Isn't, stand isn't up. Massey Hall the like symphony and stuff? Um, yes, I think. Well, I don't know. It's like a theater right across from um, Eaton Center. Okay, I'm thinking of a different of a different symphony. Oh, Anyways, okay, Pat yeah. Oswald. Pat Oswald. Yeah, yep. but it was the same thing. Like the metal of this, and I even like my friend bought us seats that I would have, like a yeah. aisle seat, because she is very aware, um, which I appreciate yeah. so much. And still, yeah, yeah, I like 
I, it was like, I couldn't, there was no way, like my butt could not get in. Yeah. And I just yeah. kept thinking again, I just kept thinking like, we could do so much better, you know, know. just well, a couple and inches. And she was, it was tight for her. And she's maybe like yes. a size 16, 18. Yeah. You know, this is where, okay. So by the way, again, folks listening, I want you to know that if you don't fit in a chair, that's not a you problem. Yes. That's a venue problem. Listen to that Lindsay. <laughs> Yeah, that is not a you problem. And that is yeah. welcome to capitalism and profits over people, yeah. right? How many can we squeeze in? Yeah. Not is this accessible? Because it's not just a person who is is fat. There's all sorts of accessibility issues in these, or barriers, I should say, in yeah. these venues. It's not you, mm-hmm. it's the venue, and it's socialized ableism, fat phobia, racism, whatever you want to say. It's, it's all of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. Well, and didn't the FAA, the flight something administration, whatever it is that regulates seats in the U.S. Have you seen this going around the news? No. Oh, they put out a um, request for people's feedback on (laughs) how much smaller should our seats get? <laughs> and like all the fat activists I follow were like, um, wrong question. <laughs> like, they, yeah. How much bigger? Yes. yes. How about we accommodate people? Like what about tall people? What about people? I keep thinking tall about people, people? Yeah. who have like hip issues or knee issues or any yeah. kind of, I mean, it's just, yeah. So I love what you it's said. Nuts. It's yeah. And it's not our, it's not for us to blame ourselves for being mm-hmm. in a body. Yeah. No, it's, it's the system failing you. It's the venues failing you. It's, it's exclusion failing you. It's capitalism failing you. Um, Southwest though, do you know about Southwest policy? I have. I think they're doing it so great. They're doing it. If you've got to fly in the U S fly with Southwest, like you, you buy the double tickets, you've got two seats. And then when you land, you get a refund on that other, other seat. It's brilliant. How human, how human just make it easy. Have the seatbelt extender available for me too, please. Um, That's the other thing too. Why are you making me ask? Why are you making me put the bell on and ask for an extender? Like you see me, just hand it to me when you see me. Or I'm I'm, going to not yell too loud. Make it an option when you book your ticket. Right? Do you want to and have it it on the seat? Have it on the seat. Yep. I um I used to travel a lot for work. I would travel all over Canada in the world that I had, and so I actually stole a seatbelt extender. I just failed to quote unquote failed to return it, and I just carried it with me. So I didn't have to ask except several times because the color was different. I got busted, even though it fit. And I was called out by the flight attendants and they were like, um, (laughs) ma'am, that's not the right seat extender. And I just was like, all right give me the right one. If you're so, I would I can, say, okay. As a rule follower, I get that because oh. you know, we got to make sure that they, they fit and it's the right one. Okay. Listen, they're I it standardized. Was it snapped. I'm like anti-rule follower. So yeah, I'm like, fuck the rules. I have my own. I'm a, I'm a, I love rules unless they're dumb. And so like that rule to me, when it comes to safety, I'm like, yeah, give me the right. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like actually have a friend who does uh, a friend who does calligraphy and uh, she made me a little picture that's like, I like rules unless they're dumb. I'm like, yes. Oh, perfect. I love Frame that. it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so good. Oh, 
I love talking to you, Lindsay. I am so curious. I want to hear more about the joyful parts. I love talking and bitching and complaining about the parts that are fucked, the stupid, dumb rules, systemic oppression. And because that's, I just, I want people to feel seen and heard and know they're not alone. Yes. So yay to all of that. And then I'm so wanting to also spend time in. Okay. Yes. And. Yeah. So how do we do this thing? How do we find joy? How do we resource ourselves? How do we have the audacity to give diet culture the the middle finger? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? How do you fill yourself up? For so my journey started with I listen to audiobooks, but reading or listening to books. The first book I ever started with, The Fuck It Diet. Um, and I know that there's been some controversy come up recently about the author, which I can't remember right now, but the book really and by the way, friends, it's not a diet book if you haven't read it yet. It's literally undoing all the stuff and it's talking a lot about the science. When I started to understand the science behind fatness and health, and also the strategy, the gaslighting of fat phobia and diet culture as a tool for for consumerism, for capitalism, started to really understand that. I mean, I got mad. I was like, is is everyone just walking around starving all the time? For no fucking reason. Right. Yeah. Like I was thinking about that, like the super, super, super ultra, ultra thin actors and actresses that we see. Mm -hmm. Like I think if they were allowed to just eat like a regular human mm-hmm. and not OD on exercise, like what would their actual size be? Right. I was watching um, Thor, um, mm-hmm. Love and Thunder, which by the way, was the best. Amazing. It's so <laughs> on my list. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Go see in theater. It was so good. <laughs> and, and there's a scene, of course, there's a scene with Thor without a shirt, right? Yeah. And they're all, he's all like jacked and muscles rippling and this and that and blah, blah. But now that if you follow the news around actors and, and their muscles, we know that that's from two or three days of dehydration and starvation oh. to go so that everything literally shrinks, skin yes. and everything shrinks around their muscles to make their muscles stand out. Mm. Like when I see that, I think that's, but that's not real. Like everyone's yeah. like, Ooh, ah, he's so tough, but that's not real. Yeah, He yeah. had to harm himself to get to that state just for this one shot. And it's just like, if we just left ourselves alone, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What would our bodies really look like? What would our yeah. queerness and gender really look like? But that's a conversation for another right? podcast. Oh, I like that. <laughs> right? But um, that's the book I started with. Then I went on to Health at Every Size, um, what we yeah. don't talk about when we talk uh, talk about fat, bodies not an yeah. apology. And then that led to the, the more than a body. Like, so it went through the fat phobia into the objectification. And just as I was reading these books, I just, it's like I could see behind the curtain and Oz wasn't the great and powerful wizard, right? You just, mm-hmm. I just saw the truth of it. And then as I started to, like, I, of course, followed tons of fat creators, tons, right? Fat hikers, fat weightlifters, fat fashionistas, just like just Mm -hmm. tons of people. And it's like, I began to not only understand fat phobia and the internalized components of it, but I also started to become like fat bodies became normal to me. I stopped only following thin and stereotypically beautiful. You know what I mean? And I, and it was like, all of a sudden this was normalized. And then my body felt normal. Yeah right? Yeah. I started to feel normal. And then I saw the follow people that like got angry and did the middle finger and I'm angry and mm. I'm doing the middle finger. And like, this is where a lot of my courage comes from. It's like, you got a problem. It's a you problem. Work it out. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So I think just for folks listening, like if you're really new to this journey, read books that prove fat phobia and diet culture wrong. Yeah. Right. Learn the science, learn that, and then follow fat creators Mm -hmm. who are are in the path that you want to be in. Right. And then one last thing I want to say to it, I know I've been talking a lot. One last thing I want to say to that is start an account and start posting pictures of your body and videos of your body doing things. I will tell you the biggest thing that has emboldened me to put that middle finger up and to dress how I dress and be who I am is posting content. Whether nobody likes it or not, it was just like seeing myself in my weightlifting videos, like seeing myself doing in my cute outfits. Like it just... I don't know. It gives me such a courage and a confidence. Mm-hmm. So post your own, your totally. own content, be yeah. loud, be that example for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. I mean, it's so funny. I, I get messages from people. Like, I had a message the other day from someone who I think like knew me through, like, it was like two or three removed and mm-hmm. she wrote me and I was so moved. And she said, you know, I've just, I'm out of a marriage, long-term marriage. I'm starting mm-hmm. to date again. And I'm really feeling nervous about, dating in my fat body. Can like, yeah. what, do you have any, idea, any suggestions, any ideas? And I wrote back and I said, yeah, um, really here's some, I had gave some ideas of like, basically boost your own confidence, Yeah, connect to who you are, post full bodied pictures of yourself on your dating profile. Yeah. And trust me, trust me. There are people yeah. who are going to find you beyond sexy. So I didn't hear from her for a, for a couple of weeks. And then she wrote back. She goes, all right, you're right. <laughs> she goes, yes. I am having so many dates. She goes, and with much younger men. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's amazing. So it's just, I mean, it's this. Yeah. I, and I think this is where that the confidence piece comes in. Yeah. The confidence that you have to post, you know, to record yourself working out and then post yeah. it and to be that inspiration. It, it's, it's, it's vulnerable and requires courage and yeah. God, doesn't it feel good? And it's good to watch. Like so I love watching your videos. I'm so inspired by them. And it's um, yeah, and it's so cool because like your joy then brings me my joy. And everyone right? gets to have fat joy. <laughs> we all get to have fat joy. One of the things like because people keep commenting on how they love watching. And I mean, I have like three or whatever. Like, I don't have yeah. a lot of workout videos. I'm I'm adding to them. I gotta make another one tomorrow because yeah. I'm buying and that's your thing too. It's accountability. Like for me, yeah. um, being strong, working out, exercising. Yeah nothing zero to do with the weight my yeah. weight zero it is all yeah. about that's when my yeah. body physically is happiest yeah and I love to feel strong and lift weight yeah. I just love it yeah. and I I tore my meniscus disc in my knee at the mm. beginning of the pandemic and I I had surgery it's not fixable unfortunately they can't they can't access the tear so I have this permanent um I don't know what you want to call it, the thing with my knee. And so it's taken me out of so many things. I love sports, hiking, triathlon, running, swimming, so mm-hmm. many things that I love. I can no longer do. They're just not accessible dancing. They're not accessible to me anymore. And so I had a pretty rough year and a half, pretty rough year, I guess, after the surgery, because I, mm-hmm. I was all hopeful the surgery was going to fix it. And then it oh, didn't. And so yeah. it was a rough, I guess I'll say eight months, nine months, mm-hmm. I guess what it was, um, a lot of grieving. And I still mm-hmm. get emotional when I think about, oh, I'd love to go dancing. Oh, I, mm-hmm. I can't do that. Well, I can kind of sway my hips, but I can't really, you know, breaks my freaking heart. And so getting to like film myself doing what I can do, like the the fact that I can do squats with weights is huge. I couldn't do that six months ago. I couldn't do squats. Mm. So it is a level of like my own accountability, my own motivation. It's a celebration of what I can do. 
right? And yeah. so I think that's the thing of it is it's just dating, you know, starting a business, becoming an influencer, starting a new program, like moving to a new country, whatever you want to do, you know, if you think that your weight mm -hmm. is what's stopping you and you have to lose weight first, mm -hmm. I truly, truly, my wish for you is that you prove yourself wrong. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. That I love that so much. I really want people to hear that. Yeah. Prove yourself wrong because yeah. you don't need to wait. You don't need permission. And thank you also, Lindsay, for pointing out that we can disconnect the concept of health from weight. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the core of the science, actually, which is so fascinating yes. how it's been so shoved together for consumerist culture um, yeah. so that we spend yeah. all the money trying yeah. to do a thing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, this has been such a joy to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to post all your information in the show notes so people will be able to find you. Um, good luck with Fantastical Fatty and all the goodness to come. And you're definitely going to have to come back for another conversation. Uh, ditto. And when I get my podcast going, I will be, I think I already told you, like, hold the, hold the place. I've yeah. got to come on. <laughs> we got more conversations to have. <laughs> Amazing. All right, lovely. You take good care. Thank you so much. And everyone, thanks for listening to me. Come and hang out mm -hmm. with me on social. Yes. Yes. Thanks. Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is about. Expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. Today's poem is called The Anatomy of Peace, which was formerly titled How to Live with My Body. It's by John Rodell. My brain and heart divorced a decade ago over who was to blame about how big of a mess I have become. Eventually, they couldn't be in the same room with each other. Now my head and heart share custody of me. I stay with my brain during the week and my heart gets me on weekends. They never speak to each other. Instead, they give me the same note to pass to each other every week. And their notes they send to one another always say the same thing. This is all your fault. On Sundays, my heart complains about how my head has let me down in the past. And on Wednesdays, my head lists all of the times my heart has screwed things up for me in the future. They blame each other for the state of my life. There's been a lot of yelling and crying. So lately, I've been spending a lot of time with my gut, who serves as my unofficial therapist. Most nights, I sneak out of the window in my rib cage and slide down my spine and collapse on my gut's plush leather chair that's always open for me. And I just sit, 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 sit until the sun comes up. Last evening, my gut asked me if I was having a hard time being caught between my head and my heart. I nodded. I said I didn't know if I could live with either of them anymore. My heart is always sad about something that happened yesterday while my head is always worried about something that may happen tomorrow, I lamented. My gut squeezed my hand. I just can't live with my mistakes of the past or my anxiety about the future, I sighed. 
my gut smiled and said, in that case, you should go stay with your, your lungs for a while. I was confused. Look on my face, gave it away. If you are exhausted about your heart's obsession with the fixed past and your mind's focus on the uncertain future, your lungs are the perfect place for you. There is no yesterday in your lungs. There is no tomorrow there either. There is only now. There is only inhale. There is only exhale. There is only this moment. There is only breath. And in that breath, you can rest while your head and heart work their relationship out. This morning, while my brain was busy reading tree leaves, tea leaves, and while my heart was staring at old photographs, I packed a little bag and walked to the door of my lungs. Before I could even knock, she opened the door with a smile. And as a gust of air embraced me, she said, what took you so long? Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on the website at www.fatjoy.life, and on Patreon at patreon.com fatjoy. Please don't forget to check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. Talk again soon.